Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Second Chapter Podcast. I'm making it my mission to get the podcast into more people's ears, so I'm asking for your help. I have friends telling me all the time about a great podcast they've listened to, and I take their recommendations and I listen to them. So will you tell a friend about the second chapter? It's easy to spread the word. Just tell them to search the second chapter wherever they listen to podcasts or go to our website at thesecondchapterpodcast.com. This week, I'm speaking with Jennifer Andrews. Jennifer was a speech therapist ready for something different. A gift from a young client provided the spark and led Jennifer to using her love of connection to found Treppy.com. Treppy is an online e-commerce marketplace for girls and young women ages 9 to 25 or so to sell their unique handcrafted products in a community-based and mentored environment. But it's also much more. They provide business guidance and education as well as community support. There's women of all ages that need to learn that they can do this on their own. You can start a business. You can be this. You can learn it. It's scary, but dive in and do it. And the earlier they start, just like they can see themselves as scientists and doctors and coders, they can see themselves as business owners, independent business owners. I just want them comfortable and I want them knowing they can. Hi, Jennifer. Thanks for joining me on the second chapter. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Tell tell everybody where you're, I was going to say calling me from, where you're speaking to me from. I'm in Denver metro area. Denver, Colorado. Very nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. I actually have a very, what do I want to call it, clinical background today because Uh I'm in Budapest or Budapest. How many hours ahead are you? It is 6 p.m. here, so quite a few. Yeah, oh, finishing wow. up my day. <laughs> How cool. You really can work from anywhere, huh? That is really neat. That's a major benefit of your position. Usually I'm in London, but my partner is living in Budapest working this summer. Oh. I actually flew in this morning and was like, I can still do the podcast. I just got yeah. a mic. <laughs> Bridget, my mic and some coffee, perhaps. But yeah, exactly. that, that, that's great. So I want to go back and learn a little bit about where you started and how you got, I know, originally into speech pathology. So tell me a little bit about your upbringing and what led you to that. That was, I'm going to credit my mom for that one. I grew up in a a suburb outside of Chicago, very middle class, normal, blue collar feel to the childhood. A teacher as a mom, real estate agent, football coach as a dad hardworking people and just had a normal, pretty much normal upbringing. Got into college and really I knew I wanted something with human behavior and science. I wasn't sure how to mix the two. And my mom, she was a teacher, like I said, and she suggested I shadow a speech therapist at her school. And I shadowed for two days and I absolutely loved it. And then second semester of freshman year, I took just like a speech and hearing 101 class at the University of Illinois and loved that and was off. It was just a total perfect match. And I fought hard to get into grad school, did that and graduated and worked in the industry for 23 years. And I love it. I still love it. I think it's been, it was an awesome career. I could see myself going back to at some point. I just took a leap and tried something different. But I, it's a very rewarding industry. It, and it brought me here. And I think a lot of the skills that I developed in being a speech pathologist allow me to do what I'm doing today. So in your speech pathology career, you worked a lot with kids or was it solely with kids? 
it was solely with kids, but I did a lot of work in the beginning with adults as well. You have to do training in both areas. My, like I did a, a student teaching with kids in a school. Then I did a hospital placement with adults in acute care, worked at a hospital for a little bit, and then moved straight to schools after that. I, the hospital environment for me and then senior citizen environments and communities for me were a little more on the sadder side, to be honest. I could develop great relationships with the patients and families, but it, it really affected me. I took my work home and I would wake up the next day, go back into work and see that my patient had expired. And even learning, oh. yeah, that word, just you log in for the day and then you're just holding your breath waiting to see, oh, please, is are they still here? You know, and you just, because then you get attached to these families and in acute care, they're there because there was some trauma that happened within a day or two post. And it was just a little more, I get too connected. I get to into the story of the patients and then the clients that I see. And so it it just wasn't for me. I learned really quickly and moved over to school setting and just did. And those, I worked in preschool and elementary level, and that's just on the way up. Even the yeah. most, even the most, I, for lack of a better word, intense cases that I dealt with, everything from autism to cerebral palsy and just your normal basic articulation to kids with cancer that had word retrieval issues and language issues because of the chemotherapy they'd gone through in the treatments. Even those stories and those families, they were just on the way up. You were building, right? You were growing versus in working with an adult population, they'd come from being this successful person, right? In whatever capacity they were at and they had a trauma and now you had to try to build back up in a very short window of time because you really got post-infarction, you really got six months to really rebuild. And after that, the brain plasticity is still there, but it's just not as intense is the best way to say it. You just don't see as much growth post six months trauma. And there's this pressure and this speed that needs to go into that treatment plan for the adult population. Whereas when you're working with kids, you just, the more they mature, the more they can do, the more they're going to grow, even when they start a little behind. And I can imagine too, that there is something to know that you're I was about to say, it. I'm going to say it so cheesy, that you are influencing the future generations, that you're making frustrated parents and frustrated yeah. kids or yeah. kids that need a step up. There's something probably really inspiring instead of, like you said, going to work and checking to see who's right. expired what today. Happened? Yeah, it was a really different feel. So for me, that was a better fit. A lot of my friends from grad school, my best friends, they ended up in hospitals and are still there. But it was, for me, this was just way I just felt better about what I did every day. So and I think that's fair. Yeah. Going to work and yeah. not feeling different really strokes different. for different folks. Yeah. But it was obvious for me very quickly. Pediatric route was much better for me. So in 2017 you were feeling a little bit a bit of a shift. What was there any particular thing that happened or was it just, you know what, I've done this for a while. You know, I think time. my kids were getting older. They didn't need me as much. It was like this we were on our way. And I just, I had done every environment with my therapy that I could have thought to do. I had worked in preschools. I had worked in elementary schools. I had worked in private schools. I'd worked for the state. I had worked for pr the private preschools that 
most of the population is typically developing and then they embed like 6%, 5%, 6% of their population. They embed with special needs kids. And then you utilize this typically developing population to help scaffold that more special needs child. And they all, you develop the compassionate side to the typical with the the needs and the showmanship of the typically developing kid for that special need kid to help them be like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Just this playbook, right, for that kid. And it was an awesome environment. I actually loved that environment. But and then private therapy, I'd done that for years too. And I just, and I was a stay-at-home mom for a little bit and I found myself going crazy with that. So <laughs> I very quickly knew, nope, nope, I've got to go back to work. Within six months of having my first kid, I was like painting my walls and stripes while this kid was sitting in his infant carrier. And I'm like, I need, okay, I'm done. I need stimulation. <laughs> the kudos to the moms that can do it. I needed something for myself a little different. But so I had just checked the boxes and I, and I wasn't necessarily looking to shift careers. I that was not even a thought for me. I and I had even while being a speech therapist, I had also tried my hand at nonprofit. My brother had started a very successful nonprofit called Camp Out for Kids in Chicago. And it was so much fun. And he had great events. And I was like, I want to try this in Denver. Why don't I just start it? Is that all right? He gave me the nod. And I was like, great. And I just, I didn't know what I was doing. I applied for 5013C here in Colorado. And I'm scrappy like that. I can start things. But I think that was my precipice to understanding how to really just dig in and start, right? Mm -hmm. I just, when you're blind to something and you don't know any better. And so I just started this charity and had fun with that and built, did four or five events, one one per year for, you know, maybe that was four or five years while I was a speech therapist and enjoyed that, but didn't get the gratification, that feeling of I'm raising this money for these kids that wouldn't have access to summer camp experience, which has so much benefit to it. But I just, I was the middleman. I was getting the money, delivering it to the camps and mm. the kids. But I wasn't, I couldn't go to nine or 10 different camps that I doled out the money for each day and watch the kids enjoy this, right? There wasn't this feedback I get direct from speech therapy where I'm one-on-one or one-on-five in a small group with kids. And I that interaction and connection is there, right? So I quickly burnt out and and realized, man, that part's not for me. And then just came back to speech therapy and enjoyed that. And then honestly, in, in 2018, I had a young girl who I was seeing for speech therapy give me a bag. She gifted me a little handmade bag. And I looked at her. She was nine. I was like, what is this? This is crazy. You made this? And then she's like, yeah, I'm like, you should sell these. And she was just kind of like, oh, really? I'm like, let's do that together. I'll help you. And it was like, one of those things, the mom was a friend of mine. She agreed, yeah, what do you want to do? And I found some other girls that wanted to make stuff or did make stuff. And then we found other girls and other girls. And within six weeks, we ended up having a little holiday market in the area. And there were like 18 girls and we had it at a local restaurant. I was going to have it at my house. And then we had so many people, I couldn't fit everybody. <laughs> and then there was like a shopper line out the door. And I just remember looking at my friend whose daughter it was that gave me the bag. And I was like, what is this is something? What is this? We need to do this. I got to do this. And I just kept, I had another one like four or five months later. I was like, hey girls, come back. Let's do it again. And then got more girls and then started advertising and came up with a name and got more girls. And we just, we did that probably four or five times over the next couple of years until like a lot of businesses, COVID shut us down. 
like a lot of businesses, I can't even tell you how many people I've spoken to that it's like, and, and to be fair, a lot of the people I've spoken to have made these changes because they got a kick in the bum that they needed. Yeah. But there's also been so many stories of just really hard times that have, yeah. that hit everyone, to be fair, but a lot Absolutely. of businesses and a lot of fresh ideas that kind of didn't keep going. Right. But yours did. Yeah, I had to pivot, right? Just like a lot of, I think that word gets overused, but really there was no other, there's no other word for it. I'd cancel a market and it was for May of 2020. I obviously canceled that. And then I was like, who knows when I'm going to be able to get these girls together? I don't know what this is like. And then the a real vulnerability and real realistic vulnerability of what if this happens again in the world? And then we shut this down. How does this work? And I didn't know how to scale these markets too. I had been looking into a franchise, like a playbook for these people and mm-hmm. sell it. How does this, how do I grow this? What do I do with this? That was when my husband and I were kind of like, what if we just build something online to let them sell? Let's do that. And we did it in a smaller scale with the other business that was called Bosco Market. And then it was like, let's just ship this all up and make it this educational kind of piece, which I can do in my sleep. And also in COVID notice that these girls, all these girls moved to selling stuff online and they and it exploded, right? And Instagram stores started opening and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then in watching these girls try to run a business and understand the safety issues that were going on, right? How do you make the item and then get paid? And what information are you exchanging at that point? I'm really protective of safety, right? With my own kids and then these girls. But it was like they were trained to sell things for like a dollar, but then shipping was like $4. It was like (laughs) they weren't even understand, right? And girls that were like 17, 18, these weren't just nine-year-olds. It was girls that you thought that I was like, no, they should know this. They, But they just haven't done it. No one's told them. No one's talked to them about this. So the things that I thought would be innate were not. And the things that I thought they'd have trouble with, they don't. (laughs) Right. There's a learning curve there for me too. But so I was like, all right, we got to build some education into this. It can't just be a platform. And they can go on Etsy and they can go on Instagram, do this. I wanted to do it a little different and have them have access to somebody and a team of people that could just help and say, look, even though you've been selling and even though you think you know this, let's revisit and talk about it. Let's have that conversation about this product you love and you want to sell. How can we make it? so that it's in demand. Is it the color choices? Is it the mm-hmm. size? Is it the material you're using? Is it pricing? How are you shipping it? How are you writing about it? What's your SEO description? It's, it's There's a lot of facets that go into just selling a little necklace that they make, right? But it's this is what I do just on a grander scale, right? My product is the platform and these girls, they're my product. Their products are the actual handmade products. It's so I have to learn and do all that. And so do they on a smaller scale. And we've learned together because I didn't know anything about this. So I want to step back because you mentioned, let's put it online. Let's come up with a name. Let's do this. And we should mention that it's Treppy, treppy Treppy.com. And how did you come up with Treppy? I would hang upside down over my bed and hope the blood would drain to my head better (laughs) so that I could, because we were brainstorming. We were the triangulation of coming up with a name that's available, that has meaning to your business and that is available to trademark. It is, God bless people who do that every day because that took (laughs) forever. And then, thank goodness, I was introduced to a very smart marketing branding genius and 
begged her to help me. And she, we went through the process of let's break down the business. What is it about? Let's brainstorm. What's your mission? What's this? And I had to fill all this information out right now, just on paper, but in my head, what is this? What do I really want to do? And we came up with Treppy. It's like the middle of entrepreneur, T-R-E-P, and then I-E, the little version of, right? That's the, that was the background of that. That's I knew funny. it right when we came up with it. I'm like, that's it. It was like, yeah. Isn't it funny when you find the right thing? Because um, the second chapter comes out of my production company, Slackline Productions. And yeah. I envision it's going to be this theater company or this production company that focuses on women's stories. I had like Greek goddesses names in my head and looking up like Aphrodite. I love it. I love it. I know all those stories. Yes. Yeah. But at the same time, oh, once I started thinking about it, it was everybody had, there was every Greek goddess name was a theater company already. Yeah. And I started realizing this idea was not so unique. (laughs) And Slackline Productions was one of those things where it was sitting, like you said, with a friend and I was telling him the story of what I was looking for. And it was like this, it's like this balance, the thing that goes between trees and you have to balance and it's really precarious. And it was about redressing the balance of who you were saying on stage and on screen and everything. And I was like, it's like one of those Slacklines. And we both looked at each other and I was like, oh, 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 that's the day. Yeah. I just said it. Yeah. And he was like, what about, and I was like, and it was just one of those funny things. Uh Aha moments, right? It's like an opera aha moment. And then you're like, why in it? That's so obvious, right? When we came up with the name, it was like, oh my God, why didn't I think of that? All the hanging over my bed and the blood in my brain. (laughs) It was like, why was that? It was right there all the time. But sometimes you got to clear some stuff away to see. And it also goes to show how important it is to actually just talk about your ideas with other people. Because I think we all have really brilliant ideas that are inside. Yeah. But having the conversation is what actually brings them from somewhere back in the back of your brain out into the world. And I think we're very protective of our ideas, but also really shy about them sometimes. Or also, even with some of our best friends, we don't say, oh, I've got this. And and then once you do have that conversation and it becomes a two-way street and there's some support behind it and I don't know, I'm off on a tangent, but it really does. No, like th- totally. That was the, that's my experience every day. God bless my husband, but I just talk and talk. Like, I got to hear myself say it. It's not, and people are like, oh, journal. I'm, I'm not a writer. I, I write, but I, I, it's not that I'm a talker. I'm a speech pathologist. And I got into that. I naturally was a talker. I just loved the field. I like to help people. I like working with kids. These things all fit. As I solve problems, I have to talk them through. Mm-hmm. I have to hear myself because sometimes you think something and then it comes out of your mouth and you're like, dang, did I just say what? And you can hear and you can read people's faces and you can see and then it and it just opens up other pathways and you might be like, ooh, I heard it out loud. That was not good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, yeah. but until it gets out there and someone else bounces it back to you, it's the mirror. It's, oh, am I crazy? Am I not? You're my mirror right now. Is this, how's this being received? Absolutely. Yeah. But sitting in an echo chamber by yourself, everything is either terrible or great. It's yeah. like, this is the best idea I've ever had. You say it out loud. Right. Oh God, no. Oh gosh, <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. What was he thinking? Obviously, you've talked a little bit about what Treppy is all about, but just to say it's where makers come to market is your tagline, which I love. And being on the website, there's a lot of different things that you're offering to these young entrepreneurs. I'd love to hear a little bit more because I know that 
there's things that they benefit. You mentioned Etsy or something. They benefit in a way that they wouldn't if they were on and Etsy. other platforms. Yeah, even the we, fees and everything else. Yeah, and we let me say, but I have been using Etsy since its inception. I just remember being in my first apartment right out of grad school and being on Etsy and buying things for Etsy. So. Thank you, Etsy, for leading the way here. But but yeah, we are different. It is an e-commerce platform like an Etsy, like a Shopify, where there's a seller and a buyer. And then for the girls' experience, I have this back-end system for them where they not just upload their products, but there's like a learning kind of center back there for them that's written out. There's videos. And we work with the girls when they onboard, they sign up, they have to have a parent consent and they have a Zoom call with myself or a Treppy mentor that helps teach them not just how to upload product in a technological kind of way, but hey, so what's the name of this product? And let's talk about why a name is important, right? Mm -hmm. And then, and how it connects to a Google search and why naming a bracelet Blue Island bracelet is so fun for you, but no one's going to search that. And so what should we name it, right? These basic kind of SEO features Mm -hmm. that they need to learn about and then how to price things and why that's important. It's not just the how, it's the why. And so we talk about these facets and go over it. And so our initial Zoom calls are sometimes, I always say if they're a very well-seasoned maker, sometimes they're 20, 30 minutes. Sometimes I'm on there for an hour and a half, two hours. And I'm not mm-hmm. just talking to the girl about their product because a lot of times why they're making that product has a story, right? Just like you're finding out my story. They, a lot of kids have been through a lot of stuff and it comes, how'd you start making your crochet plushies? During COVID, I was sitting alone and I was so sad and I was so lonely and this happened and that happened. And it's there's a story behind it. And that's mm-hmm. the part. There's my feedback in working with those kids. Boom, my heart turns on. And I'm like, yes, this is it. This is awesome. Let's talk about your plushies. And how can we make sure that you're still feeling joy in making them and making a little bit of money and learning something, right? So that's something that separates us from another type of platform, right? We've got that educational base. And then, yeah, we don't have the same fees for these young artisans because they are just starting out or some of them have been selling on other platforms and they haven't been seeing any return and they're charged up front before they even get to sell one item. They have Mm -hmm. to pay. They have to give a credit card and pay just to upload things. And so now you're just in the negative even before you start it. And I get that for a woman who has a lot of business experience. This is her main job. There's costs in business. I pay fees up front before I even get to turn things on. I get that. But I really wanted it to feel like for these artisans, what they were experiencing was positivity. So they get to put it up. They don't have pain in joining. They don't have pain in paying to get a product up. And they just get to earn, get a check or some version of a payment once they sell something back, right? Mm -hmm. So I just wanted it a positive experience so that they stick with it and that they don't have as many pain points and they're supported and aided in the ways that they need. And that leads us to this next field that I wanted to go for was a sense of community. So we try to support, have treppies support other treppies and they make a lot of content on their own. Content is expensive for me, right? Mm -hmm. Expensive for e-commerce platforms to create content. And so we say, look, treppy, you're a treppy, she's a treppy. Let's swap some product and make a little video. Take them a minute and a half. And these generations do it 
way better and know way more <laughs> about how say, to do it than I some do. Some of the technological stuff, they probably are like... Oh, they're born <laughs> into it. And to create it is just so easy for them. It's an, it's nothing for them. And so they might swap product with another treppy and then do a little review, product review that they film. And then we post and we push out on social media for them. And that's the other way we market their products. I say at no charge to them right now because they're creating the product for us. So I don't have to pay for content. And then I'm just pushing it out to our social media and our email platforms and any way we can get some to our two influencers. We send it off to people like, hey, would you like some of this product to open and talk about and see and write and plug? Treppies helping treppies. There's a community base there. And it's just all positive building support on the same trajectory I fell when I decided to work with kids. Let's just move upward, right? Let's just try to use what we have and build and grow. So, well, I know some of the statistics around young entrepreneurs, especially, and especially girls, but what were you seeing? Oh, statistically sounds so boring because no, obviously the excitement yeah. is this connection you're feeling. But as far as now that you're more into it, what was the chances of them making it without a platform like this? <laughs> Some makers have, uh, per, I think the chances of startups are low in general. So whether it's my size of startup, their size of startup, it's hard. It's mm -hmm. a lot of, it takes a lot of determination, a lot of dedication. We don't see independent huge success to most of the girls when they're just out there trying to sell something on Instagram or, oh, I have my own website. And it's, I know what it takes to drive traffic to my website. So how are you yeah. getting traffic to your website, 12-year-old? It's it's hard. I, I think the idea of bringing everybody together that is within this demographic and supporting each other in one place where shoppers can come to one place and know what they're supporting and have confidence that I've paid, I'm going to get something in return. And the artisan to say... I've been paid. I'm going to give something in return. The exchange to do that fluidly with trust and security too. That's the only way I would let my kid on it and want to be a young artisan on it. I think there's lots of artisans though that do have the lock. They just, something works for them. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I think there's people like that out there. They just get lucky and either their product hits, it's the right time. They get picked up by something. It's just, it can happen, but it's a rarity. It's the diamond in the rough. And we have girls on our platform that have some of those success stories. And once it died down, they still needed the platform. Do you know what I mean? They yeah. still needed a home base. And there was more to learn. There's always more to learn. So that's our background with that. And I think the support thing is really interesting as well, because obviously, like you said, you don't get that elsewhere. But because it's a product around COVID as well, where there was so much loneliness and we learned a little bit more. And like you said, maybe these girls are in a demographic where they were already so technological, but a safe space online where they can actually yeah. have a community. And and I also see that as future building because I think we people that are our age are just coming around to really understanding this kind of women supporting women thing. And yeah. how the support of other women is making success stories all the time in a way that yeah. I don't personally think I saw a while back. But starting that when you're nine or 12 and really understanding that you can be a business person and in a competitive market, mm -hmm. not be this cutthroat, the other woman is my competition. It's sort of like 80s, 90s mentality that, that I right. think saw in films because there was one position 
And now we can share the love and share the support and teaching girls that at a young age has to be beneficial in the long term, I would think. And it goes along the whole thing of 20 years ago, 15 years ago, STEM was the big push, right? For girls, get girls in STEM. And it's, I believe in that too. I was a science major. But at the same time, what about just learning? This is, it goes from, my mom used to say to me all the time, you just got to support yourself. You got to be able to support yourself. So whatever that is, you want to be a teacher, you want to be a doctor, you want to be a lawyer, you want to be a speech therapist, you want to own your own e-commerce, but you got to be able to support yourself. So to me... That that filters through a little bit in my why. Mm-hmm. Hey, girls of any age, right? So we have sellers on that are also 28 and 30. I wasn't expecting that. When we set out, we were like, oh, we're just going to be this range. But that's gross, right? That that was a pivot point for us. We're like, oh, this girl wants to come on. Let's try. There's women of all ages that need to learn that they can do this on their own. You can start a business. You can be this. You can learn it. It's scary. But dive in and do it. And the earlier they start, just like they can see themselves as scientists and doctors and coders, they can see themselves as business owners, right? Independent business owners. Someone who just opens up a business and starts and grows it and has that grit and understanding of the back end of their business, right? They've got Mm -hmm. the product. They know what they want to sell. That back end is a whole other beast that they've just got to feel comfortable with managing. And that's really, I just want, them comfortable and I want them knowing they can. That's it. The product is interesting. We're similar in age. And I think it's really funny because I used to be a fashion designer. I used to be very on top of trends, maybe not so much anymore. But I love to see some of the product that I feel like they're the kind of things that we were into. And yeah. now they're so back around, like I know. friendship bracelets yeah. and scrunchies and yeah. scrunchies and all these kind of things that oh. it's so funny because Here's this next generation of girls that are into same, same, same. same. They look a little different, right? Little, yeah. Like maybe the patterns are different or the size of the scrunchies different. But we've got jewelry makers that are just, I am blown away by the talent, blown away by. I'm like, how did you know how to do this? Like, oh, I just watched the tutorial. That's the part I love. I'm like, yes, you just happened to be interested in it and watch a tutorial and got some product and made it. It's it's just that blows me away, that confidence. We've got products that range from things for your home, like candles and art and wall hangings, to things for your car, like freshies and just dangly things and stickers for the back bumpers. And we've got all of that, right? And all the way up through clothing to bath and body and beyond. There's just, it's the possibilities are endless. Our best sellers to date, of course, it follows the trends, are crocheting and jewelry, mm-hmm. crocheted items and jewelry. Like those are like hot topics. But those shift, just like everything, things shift. And I, mean, I anticipate where while we have a lot of attention on those particular items and a lot of girls joining for those particular items, I can already start to see some other girls that are signing on that do different things. And I'm like, yes, that's cool. And I say to the girls, this goes back to that comment you made about competitiveness. How do they get on? Like, I really want to make this, but I see that you have a lot of it. And I'm like, great comment and great. I love that you saw that. Let's talk about that. How do you diversify your products? How do you make your product unique? Maybe maybe it's just a color choice. Maybe it's a size variableness, right? Maybe we see a lot of littles. Let's make the big one. Maybe we see a lot of multicolored beading. Maybe we just make solid, right? So we talk about how to stand out within the sea of all these wonderful creators. How can you stand out a little bit, right? Make yourself unique. 
I don't know. I like the kids that are a little bit different. I like the people that are unique and different. I always gravitate towards people that are just confident in their quirkiness. Call it that. Yes. All of these lessons, just talking about them, it's making me think about my own how do you diversify or how do you put yourself out on social media marketing? So obviously, like you said, the age range, there's so many of us that need that from any age, but obviously to start young. I'm trying to figure that. That's something in my current state. My husband's in marketing and I'm constantly like, oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? How (laughs) should I do this? Because we're trying to drive traffic to the site as much as we can. And you've got X number of dollars to spend. How do you best spend it? You try something, if it works or it doesn't work, you go off the path, then that didn't work. Now what? I am constantly, that's what keeps me up at night. We started out, okay, we're building this machine. Now we got it built. Now what do I need? I need girls. I need product. And so the first kind of chapter, we just were like, girls. It was just about the girls. Chapter one, how do we find the girls? And we did that. And now we got that dialed in. We know we fi- how we find girls on Instagram and TikTok. And now we've got this following and... Now we've got a trust between communities and people are like, oh, you got cool girls, cool stuff. This is a legit business. Now right. we've moved on to, okay, now we got all these girls, but now I got to keep them on the platform. Chapter two, I got to get sales. What do I do? I know nothing, right? That was literally, we're a year and a half old, right? Mm-hmm. It took us the first year plus to get enough girls on to then be like, okay, now I've got enough products. I got to get more sales. How do I do this? And now I got to hire this SEO team. I got to talk to a PR person. I got to spread the word Mm -hmm. and now find shoppers to come to our platform to support these artisans, right? How do I do that? And it's figuring out all these pieces of social media marketing and grassroots marketing. And again, this was nothing that I studied. Never took a class. (laughs) have no idea what I'm doing, but just crawling through it every day and figuring it out. So it's hard. Like you said, you're working with these girls and teaching them as well. But what do you think has been your biggest learning curve? I think my biggest learning curve is to trust in the fact that I am learning. And honestly, it's not, oh, I have to learn SEO. Oh, it's not a thing. It's actually closer to self in just knowing and giving myself permission to try something and fail. And giving myself permission to just keep my fingers crossed and dive in like Mm -hmm. every decision because I feel the weight of this. It's an awesome responsibility in positive and negative. It's I feel responsible for these girls Uh, and and I, I want them to learn as much as they can. I want this to keep going so they have a place and every dollar I spend and every decision I make, it's like I just have to sit with self and kind of trust that I am, that with everything I know in the moment, this is the decision I'm going to make. So that mm-hmm. that's my learning curve. Because as a speech therapist, it's, I'm very online. So my, in grad school, man, I would just piss off my, not my professors, my, I'm forgetting what they, that like, like you had an advisor mm-hmm. and these advisors would be like, I need your plan for your therapy session. Cause you had all these therapy sessions with people. And I'd be like, I don't know what my plan is until I get in there. And they're like, no, you need to know the plan. And I am an online person. So I'm a conversationalist. I can feel the emotion and what they're doing in that moment. So for me to sit and plan any of these lesson plans <laughs> out, I'm like, I'm wasting all this time. This kid go to pot tomorrow. This is, but I, you had to do it. But the minute I was on my own, 
I'd sit with these kids and I'd be like, oh, okay, I know. I'd give them a little, I'd give them the test and I'd be able to read the test. But I would jump, I would use that as a starting point, but our sessions never had a lesson plan. I'd sit in there and I'd sometimes have 90, 95 kids on a caseload and I'd sit in there and just be like, what do you got? What are you doing today? What's going on? And that's a little bit how I'd have to take them from point A to point B in a 25 minute session or an hour session. It was a private session and get them just a little bit further from where they started that Mm -hmm. hour ago. And that's a little bit like every day. I'm like, where did I start? What am I doing today? Today I'm doing a podcast. Then I'm onboarding this girl. Then I'm doing it right. And there's just these teeny little growths that I keep trying to make every day with fingers crossed that it's all working and just trusting that every little thing that I do might be a step closer to it really feeling like we got it. You know what I mean? And but then if you're not learning every day, it's probably not as interesting boring. and boring. 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 <laughs> boring. Boring. It's boring. I, I just saw this quote, I thought when you said boring, but I'm not going to remember this woman's name. She was a really interesting sort of activist. But her quote was learning in sex till rigor mortis. <laughs> say wait, say that one more time. Let me make sure I heard you right. Say it one more time. Learning, learning and, and sex. sex. Until we're I might write that one down. Oh man, that's I'll, amazing. Or learning you who insects too. That too. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, I thought that was the best because I was like, if you're going to pick two things to do until you die, might as well. Might as well. That's why senior citizen home man's they say there's like the widest spread of STDs possible. I think they they get to the end and they realize, what am I doing? I have yeah. not had enough sex in my right. life. Exactly. Exactly. That's great. So that was off topic, but yeah. No, no. I love it. The learning, I, I will send you her name. Yeah. You can look her up because she was really interesting. But back on Treppy, tell me about Treppy Good. I love this. Oh, I think this stems too from just, I'm a diehard helper. Even when I shouldn't be, I have boundary issues. So it's one of those things where I just, I like, why would you create a business without giving back? It's not just about what I'm doing with the girls and I am a business. So at the end of the day, I also want to make money and I have to make money in order for this to work, right? And to be a platform to be here for the girls. But how can we also all get back? So at the end of the day, once a year now is what we've moved you to. The the treppies that exist in that moment at the time, we put up a vote and hey, we say we stand social media. Any charities you would like us to support, let us know. And they boom, boom. And I pick five of them. And I send them out to our treppies. And I say, pick one of these, vote on one of these for us to give back to each year. And so this year they picked one. The last year they picked, it was Girls on the Run. This year it's Days for Girls. And Days for Girls is an organization that works with young girls and women around the world so that they have products for menstruation, education around menstruation, confidence around menstruation. It's something every female born deals with, right? And there's a lot of people out there that just don't have the knowledge and don't have just access to just basic product needs Mm -hmm. to get through that every single month, right? And how to care for your body in a confident way. So we, I loved that that was the one that was voted on this year. I thought that was just awesome because it affects all of us. So there were lots of great charities put up there. That was the one. And maybe next year, another one of those will win, right? But each year then, Treppy itself, the company gives back to Days for Girls or Girls on the Run last year. So 
I have to give a shout to Girls on the Run too, because that was, I'm a triathlon coach now, but my first coaching experience before, long before was I was a Girls on the Run coach. Oh, that's wonderful. I've run marathons. I've done a lot of marathons and I can cycle. I cannot swim. So I am like, I will go to the bottom. The minute we start, I'm like the doggy paddle. I remember swimming in childhood and now I got here. And so friends have been like, let's do a triathlon. I'm like, yeah, I won't. Yeah, I get a lot of people. That's the tendency. If there's one thing that somebody's, I really can't swim, but I want to do one. That's on my bucket list. We'll see. Yeah, good get for you. Swim work in there. Yeah, swim coaching. So do good it. for you too, right? It's so good for you. Yeah, but I love Girls on the Run as a charity. So I think that's such an amazing one great. to choose. And, yeah, was- and like the same way you're talking about period poverty and being confident in your body around menstruation. I think Girls on the Run is so amazing because teaching young girls that it's great to be in sport and confidence around running, but really it was such a bigger picture than just the running. It was yeah. the confidence building in general, which I loved about it. So yeah, yeah, it's an, they're awesome charities. Do you have advice for people that are starting businesses? My advice is to sit with yourself to make sure you love what you're doing. Because if you don't love it, you're not going to stick with it. Make sure you really like this. Stick with it. Stick with it. If you do find yourself saying, I love it, stick with it. It's it, The highs are so high and the lows are so low. And you can really feel defeated very quickly. Just by one person's comment that even just something as small as like a friend, just not maybe showing up and being supportive about your journey. Make sure you love it and persevere. Just keep going because there's always a way and you can always decide to shut down. It's always an option, right? It's no one's shackling you to a business, but you can always find a way to make it work. There's always one more person out there that you can connect to that you can learn something from. And, oh, I wish I would have thought of that. Thank you. And now you can apply it. And and most of the times they're actually like naming your business. It's actually probably not that far away from you. You just haven't seen it. And someone clears something from your eyes and you're was right. Yes, that's a great idea. I was just on another podcast yesterday and the girl that I was talking with had talked to me about some classes that I'm looking to offer for the girls. That's this next phase, right? I want to bring on people in different industries to then have the treppies have classes with even like a 30 minute class and I, and that was always the plan but it's so much to do just to generate the day-to-day they're like oh, i gotta get to this and yes there's a lot of education that goes on with onboarding and then maintaining storefronts but i'm like i need to bring me i need to start this and she was like who do you have in your world and i was like i was thinking so far out that I just didn't see right here. And I have this amazing friend who's an amazing financial advisor and she's so funny and she's so great. She'd be great to just find a little something about finance and how it how it can connect to the girl's business. And she's great with kids and she'll be wonderful. So I was like, hey, can you come on? Can you please come on and do it? Of course. And so she's going to be our first. But it's sometimes it's how am I going to get from here to there? And you just Sometimes it's not so far away. And just Mm -hmm. when you think you can't do something, just sit with yourself and really make sure that you've exhausted. And even when you think you've exhausted your resources, ask again, because 
sometimes you churn up something else that the same person you've been going to hadn't thought of and you have a different conversation about it. That's why I keep talking and I keep talking and I keep knocking on doors and I'm just this little busy bee knocking on everybody's door. Can you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? And I don't know what I'm doing half the time, but I just keep asking. And people say yes, people say no, move on. Go through the doors that say yes. And the balance of being able to do it, though, as a business, as a, as you said, something that you can live off of, but also being charitable. Yeah. Yeah. The give back. What's the give yeah, back? Yeah. yeah. Um, and sometimes the give back is it monetary. And that's okay. Like my friend, the financial advisor is giving back in her time and her knowledge. And that, that's, that can't be bought in a way. Like to give back in that way, I think especially for female businesses from one generation to the next, there you are. So if anyone listening thinks they have a skill set that any of our girls can learn from, man, that's great. That's the give back. It doesn't have to be in the form of a donation or purchasing something. It's It can be just your time and your effort and energy and your knowledge. It goes back to what we we're talking about with women supporting women too. Yeah. I think the more that we start thinking or continue to think about what can I give can I just give something of my time to support whether it's a peer set, the next generation? Yeah. That's what's, I think that's what makes, it's stereotypical, but I think that's what makes women in leadership so important because we do offer a really different, I don't know, statistically they do say empathy and all the things that are traditionally quote unquote female yeah. to be offered in leadership. When we're supporting each other, sometimes it is that kind of just giving back yeah. That will mean success for things like Treppy. I'm amazed. I, I have two sons and, and a husband, right? So I am in a world of male, right? All the time, which is the running joke through this business of my business is for girls, right? And yeah, I needed a little girl time. So sue me. I have wonderful men around me that are way smarter than me in business. And I constantly am turning to men that I know who introduced me to more men that I know or women that I know. But I will say it's the conversations, personally, this is just my journey, but the conversations I've had with the female business owners or female just, well, I don't want to use a term that's so outused, but these bosses, right? These women that have such confidence that have done something and that they're like, how can I help? I get that weekly where I'm connected to somebody and how nice to meet you. What do you need from me? And it's, oh my God, sky's the limit. When you find that one person, maybe just one person that they can connect me to that might be able to answer something or maybe they can answer, right? It's just, and and the men have very logical, wonderful ideas, but women seem to have the understanding of why and what I'm really trying to do and the connections I'm really trying to forge on a deeper level with that. Not just the solution, but something of the relationship, right. that relationship. And then to come back and tap into it again. And then, and, and because this relationship was formed to be able to then connect to all their, the other networks that they might have. It's been a different experience. Yeah. I've been teaching my partner about the whole thing of, do you want me to listen do you want me to come up with a solution? I feel like his first thing is, I'll say, I have this problem, whatever it is, or issue or something I want to talk about. And he's instantly, I want to come up with a solution. And bless, thank you for trying to do that. 
But and that's great at the end. But in the yeah. middle, to get to that, I want to be heard. I just want you to listen. I yeah. just want to vent. I just want that thing yeah. we were talking about before, where I can hear my own voice yeah. and see your face when I say it. Yeah. Not, okay, you got to do this. You got to yeah. do this. I'm yeah. Good. I don't have to do anything. Stop it. <laughs> and it shuts down the emotion, right? Yeah. It's It's the solution. So I'm constantly looking for solutions. So I'm constantly asking for help in order to get to a solution, right? From a business perspective. But I've usually, when I've asked that question already to that person, I've already gone through the emotion. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I've already said, I'm feeling this. I need this. And I've vented to somebody, maybe 10 people before I even ask for the solution. I notice that in myself. I've got to just vomit my experience and my journey to somebody. Thank you, husband. Thank you, best friends. I've got to just vomit that out and then hear myself get to it. And then, okay, now what are my options and what's the solution? But I can't just go straight there. So I've learned what connections to revisit and what which ones not quickly that work for me. Yes. And which yeah. ones you can go to for different things. Yeah. So Jennifer, I will just ask you, lastly, if you brought a quote for me today. Yes, I have. And I, I've said it. I actually referred to it. And maybe I shouldn't have, but it's the importance of being still. And it's not necessarily somebody's quote. I'm sorry for not having like that kind of this person said it part, but no. it's more about my motto. I started meditating back in 2017, which I do think I have to also credit to this metamorphosis and career second chance kind of thing and really sitting with self. And being still and listening to myself and what do I really want? What have I been doing? What, how have I been acting? What are my needs? What, where do I want to go? And, uh, and just really sitting with those questions and sitting with self. And I'm, if you ask most people, I am a mover and a shaker. I am going, I am up early. I am working out. I am talking. I'm but I make it a point every day, not just to meditate, but then just to sit. And honestly, I sit and I look at my hummingbird feeder and I wait for hummingbirds and I just sit still and I don't let myself move. Sometimes I set a timer if I'm feeling really, oh, I have a lot to do today and I can't really fit this in. But the importance of being still is for me, I really work that in every day. I find that it centers me to what exactly is important. I think that's always something that's difficult. So <laughs> it's a good it's a piece of advice. Busy a world. world about. It's a busy world, man. Yep. I think that treppy.com is amazing. And I will Thank make sure you. to put your socials and all the links and everything in our show notes. Is there anything Thank else you. you want listeners to know? No, this was so fun. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you oh, for joining me. It's a great it's been, conversation. It's been really good talking with you. Thanks yeah, for sharing and thanks for what you're doing to inspire our next generation thanks. of girls and women. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, tell a friend, follow us on Instagram and sign up for the second chapter newsletter. The second chapter is brought to you by Slackline Productions, a production company dedicated to redressing the balance of women's stories being told and who's telling them with a specific focus on women 35 plus. You can find us at thesecondchapterpodcast.com and slacklineproductions.co.uk. Thanks again.